This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 18th of May 2023. And if you're in the know, you'll know that today is Global Accessibility Awareness Day. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, and if you're not in the know, now you know. That makes sense. Hello, Sean. Hello. Gaday to you. Oh, that's uh, nice. Uh, I like uh, that. Gaday. Uh, oh, you. a little nod thank to you. our Australian listeners there. That's uh, nice. That's thank nice. you. Thank you. Happy Global Accessibility Awareness Day. That's a bit of a mouthful, but I it's like a, it. <laughs> it is, and it should be. <laughs> ram this down people's throats. Make your content accessible. Make your apps. Make your buildings. Make everything accessible. That's what today's all about. Uh, and, you know, it is interesting when you go onto Twitter or Mastodon or any social media and everyone's talking about it, and you get the sense that some companies, if we're honest, are just putting something up because they feel they should, you yep. know? Uh, rather than actually having anything tangible to say. What is also kind of annoying is when you get companies tweeting out things and saying, oh, we are so inclusive, we're so accessible, look at this wonderful picture that will prove it, without alt text. Oh, oh it's like, come on! Has that happened? Oh, please oh, say it's that happening already, happened. yes, it's oh, happening already, and dear. it will happen, it will continue to happen. The irony! It is ironic, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's kind of really not reading the room very well. Uh, but yeah, come on, people, but we've got to get better right? at this. But overall, it, it does exactly what it says it's going to do. It does raise awareness. Yeah, I mean, of look, at, it look does. at look at the impact of it. The 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 scale of where we're at. It it, it is impressive. These big big companies do take notice of it. That, and today, I mean, that on its own is is worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And today we're going to focus in on that because we're going to be speaking today and spending the hour with one of the co-founders of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. I am so pleased to have with us here. Joe Devon, one of the creators, founder of... Uh, oh, of course. What I want to know from you first, Joe, is how did it all get started? How did this come about? I wrote a little blog post on a very unpopular blog called MySQL Talk, and uh, it turned into a viral moment from the first year, and now every single year it does, and it's around accessibility which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what it is. But just in case, it is about making digital products work for people with disabilities. And GAD has just uh, taken off to the tune of, well, we stopped We stopped counting when uh, on social media, the hashtag would hit uh, a reach of 200, uh, over 200 million users. Wow. Uh, and I'm Oof. also the uh, chair of the GAD Foundation. But then that took us 10 years to do. We've talked a lot about Global Accessibility Awareness Day on the day itself and the lead up to it. And Sean and I have talked about the, you know, the importance of it and, and we've had lots of conversations. But we've never really talked about the origin, have we, Sean? It's never really – the origin no. part of the story has never really come in. And I, I love how humble you were there. I, I'm, I co-founded GAD. Really? That's huge. It is. I, the, the fact that it came from MySQL, what was that, a forum or po- – that is so strange. How did that happen? Well, actually, I was a developer uh, at the time. I was working on AmericanIdol.com on the website. And um, yeah, I, I would just connect up with... Uh, I, I, I helped build the a lot of the tech scene in LA, the hardcore tech, by starting up these different meetups and uh, any technology that I needed to deal with uh, with scaling to handle the kind of traffic that American Idol got... Uh, I would just connect up with uh, with core developers in MySQL because we were sitting on top of MySQL at the time. And uh, yeah, I would just write about database stuff. And then one day, if you want to hear what really prompted it, um, my dad was getting older and he started to struggle with uh, banking because his bank's website, whose name I never mentioned uh, publicly, was uh, inaccessible. And I was really frustrated because my dad was just an incredible man, and and it was it's tough to watch him struggle. And if you cannot bank, you cannot be independent. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. I, I know the developers would care if they realized that that the way that we were building things was not accessible, but there was a lack of awareness. So I said, hey, why don't we create an awareness day 
just for people who build digital products to to understand um, the issues, whether it's color contrast, which was the the problem my dad had, or screen readers if you're blind, or other types of assistive technology. Uh, but I never thought it would take off like this. Yeah, crazy. Mm. Um, my SQL for those that don't know is a, a database querying language, right? That that powers a lot of websites, not just website apps as well, right? Oh yeah. So MySQL is a database, and then SQL is the is the query language, and it. I would say I, I can't tell you what the percentage is, but uh, I would say maybe ten years ago, uh, the different SQL based um, databases probably did ninety percent of the internet. Uh, there was some kind of of uh, database behind it, and MySQL was huge. Yeah. Uh, today, there's other kind of databases. And sorry if I'm getting too technical. Yeah, it's, it's getting no, very boring over here, if I'm honest. No, no, I'm no. bored. <laughs> no, 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 I, I want to ask. No, 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 no. The fact that this came from that sort of, you know, that place, my SQL, is it's really shocked me. All right, okay, I get it, the it point. Can okay, can, we, can we move away from my SQL, or sorry, my most boring website ever.com? Don't listen to him. <laughs> Don't listen to it. <sighs> I've got to deal with this every day, <laughs> No, I day, take it. Joe. I'll take it. <laughs> but honestly, I, I think we all know, obviously, where Global Accessibility Awareness Day has, you know, has how it's emerged and how it's come around to be this huge event in the year and big, big brands get involved. And I want to get into all that. But I want to go back to that first year and that very first day. How does that day compare to today, for example, or, you know, the, the, the day this year? Gosh, it, every year something completely unexpected happens. And, and I'd say it, it was like in a positive, a deer in the headlights is not the right word, but more shock and, and um, yeah, just, just shock is the right word. Like, oh my God, I, I can't believe all of the engagement we've got, you know, right from the get-go. Though the very first year... There was an article syndicated throughout Canada. It was published in my hometown paper, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" From the from the myboringwebsite.com uh, a blog post to to the newspaper of my hometown. No way. Yeah, it wasn't boring then, right? It was a different story then. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in those early days, what kind of reaction were you getting from people? Because I can only imagine. The first question probably being from a lot of people was what does accessibility mean? How does that what does that mean to me? Oh yes, in the beginning, uh nobody really knew what it was and uh, there was a ton of education involved, but there was a whole community of people of builders in the accessibility space and there was a huge shift there because after I got to know the the folks working on it a bit, they were all depressed. They were like, oh, my God, I've been working on this for a decade or two decades, and it's never going to go anywhere. And I'd say that that, that depression has mostly gone away, um, at least until recent times. I, I'd say the last year has been a little bit challenging uh, because of all the layoffs, and, and um, some companies have reduced their uh, attention to accessibility. But overall, the field has grown a lot, and people got a lot more excited because they, they saw momentum. We've been talking about the teaching of coding and how accessibility figures in with that. Our, our developers taught this you know, at a higher education level. Is accessibility just a bolt-on, you know, half an afternoon throwaway <laughs> segment, or is it actually part of the core foundation when you're learning computer science or coding or whatever it may be? Have you noticed any change in, in that sort of thing? I've noticed a change, but I wouldn't say that it's gone far enough. It's it's being talked about now. People are beginning to pay attention to it. And, and I think we also should s split our conversation in terms of higher education versus, um, versus things like the uh, coding schools, the boot camps, because I'd say that a ton of the developers come out of those boot camps and a lot of them uh, have not really focused on accessibility nearly enough. In fact, they're teaching people how to code incorrectly. They, uh, I don't, I don't want to get technical, but they're, they're essentially oh, doing... Oh, please do. <laughs> Just annoy me. Stephen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, but in all seriousness, this is important stuff, right? Because, you know, it is about the way that people are taught. And are you saying that, it, that the people who are being taught the accessibility side, if they're being taught it at all 
are maybe being given wrong information? I would say that they're not given wrong information if they touch on accessibility, but in terms of how they learn to code, uh, the boot camps and probably in the schools too, um, they focus a lot on the frameworks that have come out that are uh, that ignore um, HTML, the 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 core language that really built in the accessibility is being ignored because the frameworks are trying to make coding easier, um, but they're leaving out a lot of the uh, the foundations, and that's really a shame. You know, it's interesting because we were talking a lot recently about Google and Google I.O., and one of the things that came out of that for me anyway was a session on uh, Android accessibility. And in that session, they talked about a number of the accessibility APIs. Essentially, I guess these are the tools, the building blocks that allow someone to make accessibility uh, possible on their on their app or their site or whatever it is, well, app, I guess, in Android's case, you know, make it that your uh, tools are accessible, your app is accessible. So there seems to be a lot of resource out there, but is it getting to people? Are people aware of the resources? Do they even know what to do with the resources? It, it's getting, in certain ways, it's getting better, but I'd say it's getting better on the high end more than the low end. And what I mean by that is the big tech companies are paying a lot more attention. There's definitely more accessibility departments than there were before. Um, but I'd say for the average developer, it's not there yet. It's, it's not there yet. Because I guess my point is that there seems to be a lot of emphasis from the big tech companies like Google and Apple and Microsoft to create the tools to help people to make their apps accessible, their websites accessible. But it's always about the take-up, isn't it? And it, you know, from our experiences as blind people using the web and using applications, there are still so many unlabeled buttons, graphics that aren't labeled properly, uh, you know, headings that aren't in the right place, if they're even headings at all. You know, the basics just seem not to even be there. Yeah, the, the tools are there to create it, but don't forget that part of this too is the content creators. Uh, you, you can't have the programmers put in alt text, um, and then you have a content creator, if they have the power... Uh, to do the headings. It's like if you create a template where the headings are forced and then they're just filling it in, then you can get those headings right. But if you are allowing the content creator to go in on a document and put the headings in the order that they think of, um, they're, they're not going to do it right. Um, and and what will typically happen is a heading will have a styling attached to it and they might pick a heading for the styling and that is what messes up accessibility uh, frequently. You know, you obviously had to bring about Global Accessibility Awareness Day. I'm so glad that you and the people around you did because ultimately, you know, it is something that, you know, I, I'll be honest, I am a bit awareness dayed days out. Is that a thing? Awareness days out? Probably <laughs> awareness not the right day way to put it. Yes. Data, I think, yeah. I'm not quite getting my <laughs> words in the right order here. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of like, it's like National Donut Day, and I'm like, you know, I, yeah, I'm aware of donuts. Maybe too aware. Um, but when it comes to accessibility, uh, it's weird. It feels like still not a lot of people know about it. And, you know, that's why this day is so valuable, so important. I want to ask you about specific examples if you can where accessibility has you know not been av not available somewhere and as a result of the work you've done and the result of the day there has been a change someone has perhaps come to you and said i now know i need to do this and have you know has implemented something as a result of it oh gosh uh that happens all the time but wait first let me go to the awareness day because Literally, I think it was two or three days ago, um, some algorithm knew that there was something with me and awareness days, and they let me know that it was fentanyl awareness day. And <laughs> okay. I was like, uh, how do you celebrate fentanyl awareness day? Yeah, do you get cake? Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the thing? I mean, is it, are the hats for that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> um, Yes, this is a little bit of a different awareness day. And oh my gosh, lots and lots and lots of folks have come up and, and said, wow, they, they've gotten awareness as a result of it. Um, and one of the things that, the, that we do with the GAD Foundation is a GAD pledge where open source development projects uh, take uh, a pledge to make accessibility a core 
value of their project. Uh, the very first one was Facebook. It was then was called Facebook. So I'm I'm not saying Meta on purpose. Um, <laughs> took the pledge to make uh, React Native accessible, uh, and then they they took the pledge again the following year. They sort of renewed the pledge, and they made lots of improvements to React Native. And I think that that downstream affects tons and tons of websites. Uh, and then Ember JS took the pledge, and then Drupal took the pledge. Uh, which they they both were accessibility aware, but they they've upped their game as a result of it, and those are the kind of things that are are really impactful. Oh yeah, definitely, because they're the backbone for a lot of other services that you know the end user doesn't even necessarily know about, especially for something like Drupal. You know, uh, Drupal, I should yeah. say. Um, it is very much like WordPress or something like that. It, it's a backbone of a website that. If it, accessibility is built in at that foundation, then it makes a huge impact across everything else. Exactly. I want to ask you a bit about the the, the carrot and stick approach, which I know is something that gets talked a lot about at various conferences. Whenever you go to a conference and they're discussing accessibility, uh, the carrot and stick approach is one of example that they always bring up as you know essentially one being you know let's work with people let's you know try and help companies app developers you know to to get you know, their app better uh, but then when it gets to the point where they're just not listening where they're not engaging where their website is continuing to be inaccessible well we've got to get the stick out and that can be regulation that can be fines um is there a right answer to this i mean i guess the right answer is a combination of both but you know, ultimately, regulation can often re- lead to overreach. So, how do you how do you deal with that? Are there any examples you've come up against that you think this is maybe the this is it here? This is they've got it right over here. The the regulation is a foundation. You have to have that because if you don't have that, you're not going to get the rest of it. Uh, the same thing. Just look at at physical accessibility. You need to have those those regulations for ramps and other kind of access, like physical accessibility in the law in order for architects to learn about it um, and and to, to have that, at least the people that are building know what they're supposed to do because they're required to. And the laws have typically not been strong enough for this to be a requirement in, in terms of the building. Now, even, sorry, building the technology, so when you're looking at architecture, there's still plenty of people that are taking shortcuts and and not really paying attention to the letter of the law. But the fact that the law is clear and that it's there, that is really helpful to making the people that care about it uh, actually have some know-how. So so you you need that as a foundation. Um, I'm not sure if overreach is the problem so much as you you want this to be part of the culture of digital product development so that people feel like, oh my God, I cannot release an open source project unless it's really good at accessibility. That's the goal that I've got um, it, it is to make that part of the culture. That's that's really the the mission of the GAD Foundation is to make to change the culture. And so the regulation is important. The problem is that if an organization only cares about the regulation, they're not going to pay attention to the spirit of the law, and they're not going to build in the the accessibility teams. The they, they won't spend the money that they need to in order to build it correctly. And that's why if you go after the culture, even if there's no regulation, but you have people aware of how to build things correctly, they will they will do so even when there's no regulation. You know, you you may not get the budget to do user testing with people with disabilities, but at least it you know the 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 foundation it there will be an attempt to build it right, and and developers can do testing on their own even though it's not the same quality as as proper um, a user testing. It will at least get you a lot further. Here's the way that this is going to change: is if Everybody that built an open source project thinks that they have to get accessibility as a part of it. That's a cultural change. And in, in order for the schools to teach it, to, to feel like they cannot ignore it, you need that regulation in there. But regulation is not going to change the culture by itself. Um, it, it's, it's really in the education of the, of the like, 
let me give you a, an example and then come back to it. So uh, a CTO I know once said that if he wanted to take get rid of technical debt and wanted to get um, the code to be really clean, he just needed to tell his team that they were going to open source the project and put it on GitHub, which is like the, the social network for programmers. Because if programmers see that other programmers are going to look at their code, they're going to make sure that the quality is very high. <laughs> yes. You see what I mean? So yeah. w when you get a cultural change and you're building something inaccessible and you're embarrassed about that because your other, your, your peers are looking at it and saying, you don't even know anything about accessibility. Like your code sucks. When, when that's the, the, the mantra, the, the culture, then everybody's going to do it. Like nine out of 10 are going to do it. And then you've pretty much solved the problem and we're not there yet. And then, of course, you've got the testing side of it as well, right? You know, how many blind or disabled people do you have in the room? How many people you're reaching out to? And, you know, are they all screen reader users? That's a big problem, isn't it? That, you know, oftentimes people can look at an app and they'll say, well, you know, it works perfectly with a screen reader, but then they haven't addressed the fact the font is tiny. It's a white background with a, you know, very grey uh, font that's on there so lots of people can't read it who are low vision maybe people who are dyslexic can't use it because that font doesn't work for them you know I, I, it is challenging accessibility right it is challenging and it, it should be challenging it should challenge us all to think but you know these are the realities and you've got to have the right people in the room giving you the answers to this it can't just be a couple of people saying yeah I tried it you know a keyboard with it and it worked you've touched on two issues actually that that um that I like to address. And one of them is, yes, you should be hiring people with disabilities because then when you're building tools and your friend that you work with, your coworker can't access it, you're going to feel different. I, I mean, I'm 55 when, when people share a document with me and, and let's say there's a virtual conversation going on. I always say, please magnify it because I can't see that tiny print. Or if the contrast is off, I'll say something. And then eventually they start to do it on their own and they realize it. And I'll even play it up a little bit, to be honest, because I, I, I'm trying to bring awareness to it. I, I definitely have that problem, but it's like, you know, lean into it a little bit, if you know what I mean. Oh, we've um, all done it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then then the other the other thing that uh, is important is is getting that business case out to people. And where where I think we struggle is most of the statistics that we quote are that there's 1.3 billion people with a disability. And we conflate disability and accessibility. When you think about who is impacted by accessibility, that number is far greater because a huge the population is aging in a really big way. And if you're over 40, the kind of font size that you need and the color contrast changes considerably than from when you're 20. So if we're, if we're talking about 16% of the population uh, with a disability, and the way the WHO defines that is about uh, a disability that has a significant impact on your day-to-day -day activities, as opposed to, oh, uh, you have color contrast issues because you're, you're over 40 or over 50, um, it, it will help organizations realize that their usability goes down and that makes people less engaged with their content. Um, and, 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 and I think we need to, to get numbers of how many people are affected by accessibility. And all of a sudden that business case, it's going to look different to the CFOs. Do you ever have a organization or a business that just simply say accessibility isn't important to us? Does that still ever happen? Oh, yeah. Really? That oh, shocks yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Really? No, all the time. I and mean, there, there's some who will say, who will literally ask, how much, what, what is my liability? How much is it going to cost me to fix this? And then, or sorry, how much is it going to cost me if I don't fix this? So, you know what? I'll wait. I'll delay it. I'll get there eventually, but I'll delay it until I get a fine. And then once I get a fine, as long as it's not all that much, then I'll pay the fine and then I'll deal with it. Um, but until then, I'll, I'll just ignore it. Like some large organizations do that. Wow. Name them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
no, uh, I, I am not uh, uh, desiring to get a lawsuit. <laughs> but but uh, n- n- neither, neither are the it. team at AMI. Um, but <laughs> I, I do, you know, I, I must say, Sean's surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that. In fact, I think I've said to you often enough, Sean, on this show, you know, I'm just not surprised at these things at all. You know, because you, you can tell, you, you can tell just by, you know, how many websites are inaccessible or how many apps are not labeled properly and not even set up properly. You know, even big names, you know, for even just talking about like the latest social media network to appear, you know, mm. it, it has unlabeled buttons on it. You know, and you think, come on, you know, it's 2023, we're still having this fight. Uh, yeah, but I, I, again, I, you know, the conversation we've had so far, I can sort of, it, maybe ignorance to accessibility, maybe, you know, a lack of yep. teaching. Uh, but to actually come out and say, you know what, it, it comes down to the, the, the bottom line, the profit margin, the dollar here. And we're not interested unless, you know, it costs us. If we can get away with it and it costs us less, then we're going to forget about it. Yeah, I'm just not surprised by that, Sean. I really wish I was. I mean, I think any company uh, out there who is currently not doing accessibility on their app or their service is is doing an injustice. But, you know, in some ways it's like they just don't care. And what I never understand about this, and we'll get into this in a minute, but what I never understand about all this is the fact that they just don't see us as customers. And I don't know why you would not want to see us as customers. We are paying people like everybody else. We can afford to use your apps and services. Well, okay, some of us can't. I admit that. But then that's the case across society. It's not just blind people who are, in some cases, poor. There are lots of people who live in poverty, but we don't shut off everything to them either. You know, at least they, you know, would have access to it. Maybe not able to use it, but would still have access to it. So, you know, at least give us the choice. At least give us the ability um, it's, just, it's just so ridiculous in a lot of ways. We even have to fight to to, you know, to be heard, to have this discussion. It seems ridiculous in 2023. Uh, listen, we're going to get into more of this uh, in the next uh, segment of the show. Joe Devon with us today, the co-founder of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. We'll continue that conversation. And just a reminder as well, if you want to check out our show notes and on our socials as well, you can find the, uh, the MySQL Talk blog that uh, Joe mentioned just at the start there. We've posted a link to that as well, so you can go back and read it. That post still goes viral today, as Joe was telling us. It's incredible, isn't it? So, yeah, stick around for that. And also, if you want to share your feedback and thoughts, you can do that as well. You can follow us on social media, share your thoughts on Mastodon or Twitter or via YouTube. Of course, we have Double Tap TV up there as well. We can also watch an extended interview with Joe Devon on our YouTube channel. Hey, we'll link to that as well for you. Uh, all that on our show notes and on social media. But if you do want to get in touch with us, you can email feedback at doubletaponair.com. This is Double Tap on AMI-audio. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Double Tap. It is Global Accessibility Awareness Day, and we're here with one of the co-founders, Joe Devon. I want to talk about the future here, because it's very difficult. I mean, we feel like we talk about accessibility and then 10 years go by and we're having pretty much the same conversations and the needle's moving a little bit, but it's very slow. Um, But we are in a new age when it comes to AI, artificial intelligence, lots of new products, lots of new uh, language models being developed and tools and everything else. And I guess there's a real fear here that we're back into the world of, you know, things are moving so quickly and accessibility is just going to be left behind. Am I right to be fearful? You're right to be fearful just because it's, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. Um, but I, I think AI is actually going to be a positive game changer when it comes to accessibility because it's all, to me, AI is accessibility. And what do I mean by that? Let's first look at what is, what is disability. If you are think you, you you've got two angles. You've got one angle where you have senses, and you've got your your sense of sight, of hearing, of touch, of uh, taste, smell, and maybe there's something in that system that doesn't fire the same wave for one person versus another. And then you have the output, which would be again touch, um, motion. Um, expression, emotional expression, cognitive expression. And what AI is doing is 
It's taking sensory input like pictures, video, sound, and trying to understand it. It's artificial intelligence. It's trying to understand it the way a human does. And then you have generative AI, which is the output side of it, that is also trying to uh, output things in the same way that a human would. And when you are able to understand the information coming in, and because right now AI is go is finally reached that that point where it's crossing the chasm, and the exponential growth uh, is starting to make these applications compelling, you're you're getting to a place where it understands the input, whether it's visual or sound. It's getting to be better than human. I I, I think within the next year or so, we're probably going to be able to get. Uh, captions that understand uh, better than humans. And once you've reached that, you, you, you've really crossed the chasm. Um, and it's also generating uh, images already. They're incredible. It's, it's generate, and it's also understanding the images um, and it's generating video. So what's going to happen is it's also personalized. So you've got a project. Have you heard of Project Relate or Project Euphonia that, that Google put out? Uh, yeah, but maybe explain a little bit about it for for the audience. Great. So, so what they've done is you have some people who they when they speak they have a, a, a what do they call that um, a, a disability where where their their voice is not easy to understand and all of the train all of the the machine learning the training that AI has done on voices there's they're not very good at understanding people with non-traditional voices. So these projects are trying to gather a lot of data and trying to understand what an individual is saying. And now uh, someone who might try to use Alexa or Siri or one of the the um, audio apps, it wasn't being understood. And now the AI is understanding what they're saying and able to translate that into action um, by these Alexa type devices, but at the same time, it can also help communicate with other people where it's sort of a translation. And, and, and in fact, AI, what has the, the current AI that has crossed the chasm is called a transformer. And it's really good at translating language and not just language, but saying, okay, I'm going to translate video to audio. I'm going to translate video to text. I'm going to translate text to image. I'm going to translate from one language to another, or there's uh, explain like I'm five, where you can go in for, for people that have cognitive disabilities, you can take a scientific uh, website and, and turn that into different cognitive levels of understanding. And so these, these transformers are able to understand where you are. And so think of it, if you're blind, you have a, a very verbal life. And so the AI will take all of the sensory input and turn it into something verbal. Whereas if you're deaf, you have very much of a visual life. And so it will take all kind of audio and transform it into a visual format. And now all of a sudden you get this personalized translation into whatever your preferences really are and whatever your needs are. And that's why I think that that assistive technology uh, is going to look completely different in the coming years, even even within one year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's incredible. I, I, I often been thinking a lot about this in the past couple of months about what accessibility might look like for blind people in particular, right? You know, because I'm extremely selfish, you know. And, um, he is, yes. <laughs> and part of that was I was thinking, okay, so how would a screen reader look in the future using AI, right? And I was thinking about guide dog versus white cane. So I've got my mobility cane, and that is the current state of play. I have to you know, go on the web, and I have to sort of bump around the edges of web pages to find the buttons, to find, you know, get an overall view, get an overall sense of where I am. With a guide dog, I can go straight there. And I think that's what AI will do. I think AI will be the guide dog. I think it will be, you know, you, you just avoid all the obstacles. You go straight to the content. You search out, you route out exactly what it is you're looking for, you know, and you receive the information. You ask and receive as opposed to having to search around and route around. And I think that's going to make web accessibility very different. Um, we'll still need to make sure that the fundamentals are there. And that's why the work you do is so important. But, you know, it will make it a lot easier for us as end users 
to be able to access the content we're looking for. That's my theory. I think you're 100% right. Just look at some of the demos from uh, Be My Eyes, who were, were uh, launch partners for GPT-4 with OpenAI. Mm-hmm. And when they come out of beta, oh my goodness, the uh, I, I think... I think screen readers are going to look different after that. It, it, it's incredible what you think got about there. that soon. Wow! Right? Okay. Yeah. Oh no! Absolutely. I, I I think it'll it'll be a screen reader of sorts, and it, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna blow people's minds. And honestly, like, uh, hopefully, I'll be put out of business. <laughs> that, <laughs> that will be great. You know, obviously, you know, anybody that's making their living from this, you 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 want to make sure that there's a path to something else. There's always room for it. But but my hope is that what we're going to see is there's a lot of, let's say, you have, if you have an intersection of different disabilities, right? If you're deaf blind, there's a lot less attention paid to the the assistive technology, but also when you're doing social media and things like that, making it available to people who are deaf blind, or like I was talking about the the project relate and project euphonia, there's a lot of disabilities that are underserved. And I'm hoping with AI, we can start to pay attention to a lot more of those cases that are more individual, where there's smaller number of people impacted by it. And that that we can start to even worry about that in a serious way because they've not been getting enough attention. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's almost like AI is, is going to become like a, a universal assistive technology, but, uh, but tailored to the individual. Um, so you, you don't have any of these concerns. There's a lot of concerns about, you know, putting a halt on AI at the moment. And uh, but you're seeing definitely the positives well, let's let's dive into that for a second. The the um, the negatives. I, I think people are don't understand the technology enough, or but there are some that do, and I I don't know what they're thinking. They 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 believe that <laughs> it's going to turn into a sentient being. It's like it's like your calculator. Is is there anything about the fact that 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 it's returning results that sound human? that would turn it into a sentient being that all of a sudden you're gonna, your computer is going to wake up and be self-aware? It, it, to me, that's completely ridiculous. Um, yeah. Your calculator is not going to become a, a, um, an organism. Your computer's th- uh, not going to become an organism. There is some places to worry about because if you attach uh, uh, an advanced AI to an animal or even a human being to the brain of an organism and it becomes way smarter than any other human uh, or if there's a category of them, then you can start talking about these crazy scenarios. But barring that, that's not where the problem is. The If you've p- been paying attention to things like baby AGI um, or um, uh, auto GPT, those are autonomous agents. And if you have nefarious people who are attaching something like chat GPT to bank accounts, to generating a cloned voice or to uh, hacking, that is a massive worry. That is coming, and we're going to see phishing on a whole other level. There's going to be yes. massive fraud. I'm, I am very worried about that. I'm very worried about what's already possible today and what will be possible in about, in about a year. But I'm not worried that, that it's going to be like Terminator, where the computer is going to start walking and thinking, you know, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Don't you think the big tech companies themselves have uh, are sort of pushing that uh, narrative as well, though? We, you know, like using terms like hallucinations for the mistakes mm. that AI, they almost want to push that human-like aspect to it, I think. It's it's possible. I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure why why they're why people that should know better are still talking about it. I don't know if they honestly believe it or or yeah. if there's some reason behind it. Well, um, I think I, I think often my my theory would be that they're trying in a way to make people understand this technology and talking about it in human terms will help it relate to people. Unfortunately, people may also read into that as humanizing the technology, which is not what we are or they are actually doing. Um, I I mean, I'm with you on this, Stu. I'm I'm absolutely dead in the middle on this. I'm not either terrified nor am I overly excited. I'm I'm in the middle. I'm 50% on it. I'm excited. I think it's okay to be excited, but I think anybody who tells you they are all the way excited or all the way 
uh, you know, doom laden or whatever, then, you know, I think that's just the wrong way to be because you, you're not, we don't know yet, ultimately. And I think we're probably years off that happening. Well, I'm, I'm actually all the way excited and all the way terrified at the same time. I don't know what, I don't know what percentage <laughs> that works. I, you'll need to get a calculator on that one because I've got no idea. Um, but, you know, that's a great, that's a great analogy though on the calculator, isn't it? Because, yeah, you know, we didn't, we didn't get terrified when we realized that this thing could work out what two plus two yes. could do. You know, so um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in terms of the day itself, Global Accessibility Awareness again, Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, what do you do? Do you, do you buy a cake? Do you invite friend, friends round? Do you have pizza? What's the deal? What what happens in the Joe Devon household? Do you eat clotted cream and talk about the 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 world of accessibility? <laughs> what do you do there? Well, I'm invited to speak at so many organizations, uh, and usually that that's private because they're trying. What's happening is the accessibility uh, industry or the, the the teams they're really working diligently to improve the accessibility inside an organization, and for them they're not they're not using it for PR. They're using it as a day to do training internally, to motivate people. And so I get invited to lots of the, the big names that, that you've all heard of, the, the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies uh, to speak. And I try and support uh, any accessibility professional I can. So it's, it's really just like running from one, uh, one speaking event to another all day. <laughs> I think I have like 10 scheduled uh, on, on Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Now, don't you feel bad for saying he was just eating cake all day? <laughs> yeah, I feel bad now. You may have, have a bit of cake at some in, point, in surely. My Come on, must be cake in there somewhere. <laughs> Someone must offer you at least a, a very small sausage on a plate. There's a lovely buffet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to get your take on this one, Joe, because this comes up a lot. and I, I see people on social media uh, who, who find this quite annoying. The idea that the day itself gets so much attention and, and that these companies fall over themselves to... You know, tell us about either a product or maybe just the fact that they're doing something. Maybe even it's nothing to do specifically with uh, accessibility. They just they just draw attention to it, but they themselves, as a company, maybe don't do a lot around accessibility, and that irritates people. Is there a danger with a day like this that it kind of just becomes an opportunity for everyone to wave the accessibility flag, but just for one day, and and then you know go back to ignoring it the other three hundred and sixty four. I'm glad you asked that because it's something that I was very worried about pretty early on. Uh, I had seen this this documentary called Pink Ribbons, which spoke about a similar uh, a similar experience for uh, breast cancer, and it just it just sort of like scared me, like oh my god, uh, you know, I don't want to let this happen. And then one year there was a Twitter account called The Blind Onion. And they tweeted out at the end of, of one year of GAD, they said, now that Global Accessibility Awareness Day is over, we can get back to 364 days of global accessibility oblivion. And yeah, a wow. lot of people, yeah. Harsh. And yeah. And, and um, a lot of people told me, ah, there's always negative people. Don't, like, don't let that bother you. And I said, no, on the contrary. That, that tweet was written in pain. Because we were not having enough of an impact, and I'm going to use that as motivation uh, to 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 make sure that we do make a difference. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I I went into one of these large corporations to give a talk, and it was sort of a lunch and learn. And a lot of the people they were they were just eating, they weren't paying attention. And I was talking about the importance of all of this and how it impacts people. And the, the way that they were ignoring it, like I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's very combative, but I was getting kind of pissed. So I started to raise my voice. And then I literally said what you said, like, I, I, you know, the purpose of this day is not for, for companies to pat themselves on the back about what they're doing. It's got to be genuine. And there was one person that was attentive the entire time and, uh, at the end, and so I noticed, I noticed him. And then at the end, he raised his hand and he said that he was the CEO of the organization and that, it, you know, he, this was not just being done um, for for PR. Like, and it, and it was an internal event. 
So, so knowing that the leader of the organization was sitting there paying attention with no fanfare, that, that meant a lot to me for that particular organization. Um, and, and I'd say most of it, the, the people working on it are, are genuine is, are there some that might want to use it for PR? Sure. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not enough money in it for sure. Mm. Um, and if, and if the money comes from marketing, well, at least, at least it's coming from somewhere to provide solutions. So I don't know if that answers you, but hopefully it gives you a little food for thought. What do you say to a developer today who is listening to us talking and saying, I just don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I'm trying to feed my family. I make very little money at this as it is. I, I, just, I want to make my product as accessible as possible, but I don't have the resources to go off and find blind people to work with or, you know, find disabled people. And then, you know, I, I maybe I've done some work and I've got hit back by the community because I wasn't, you know, completely aware of all the issues that someone with low vision has. Um, how do you help them? Because we don't want to be beating people over the head saying, you know, do better all the time as social media likes to do. Do better, do better. Yeah, but sometimes you can't do better. What do they do? I mean, there is a degree of practicality. I, I think you can't just go in and, and beat people. I, I think the biggest problem is you, you can't invite someone to the conversation by telling them that they're, they've done it wrong and they're bad people because they've done it wrong. Uh, as soon as you do that, you're just going to get people fearful of entering the space at all. And there is plenty of fear around that. Um, so I, I don't tend to do that shame, that shame game at all. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't find it hard for the most part where I struggle is the, the people that pretend to care, um, in, in front of me and then they don't really, uh, and, and I don't know what you can do about that. But in terms of the ones that, that I'm dealing with, uh, it's about craft, you want to be good at your craft? You want to know what you're talking about? Like like, like with designers, a, a lot of people have struggled speaking to designers and I never struggle with that because what I tell them is, okay, you're developing, let's say a, a chat application and you're, you have to do an online offline indicator. And if you're going to do red and green, which is typical, I'm offline or I'm online, and then you don't have another way to um, to show online, offline, like we're, we're like a, just the word on, off, or something like that, then um, the fifteen percent of men that are colorblind will, for them, it's just gray and gray, and all you need to do is add that that word there, and all of a sudden you're accessible. It costs you nothing if you do it in advance, and that is always a, a big you know eye opener to designers who who didn't realize that. Uh, it, 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 it really works well. And I'm like, okay, you know what, if you're going to ignore accessibility because you're ignorant of it, I guess I can, I can say, okay, but how good of a designer are you? If you care about your craft, you should know that you're doing something inaccessible and you should know the difference. So don't tell me you don't have budget to know the difference because then you're telling me you just don't have the time to be good at your job. Okay. Fine. So you mm. can be a, a you know a middle level programmer or mid level designer, but if you want to be a top notch designer, then you need to know this. It's it's very simple, and and, and nobody's going to go out there and say, you know what, uh, my goal is to become like a mediocre developer or a mediocre designer. <laughs> I want to be the okay one. You know, I just want to be the one that yeah. gets by. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So that's why I keep saying it's a cultural thing. You need people to feel like culturally it's unacceptable to do something inaccessible. And I think we've made a lot of progress, but but there's still a lot more to go. Hire disabled people. Yeah. You know, we, we, it always comes back to this, doesn't it? No matter what the issue, if it's tech or otherwise, hire disabled people, bring them into your organization. We don't bite, honestly. Some do, but most don't. <laughs> um, and, you know, bring us in, be part of the organization, because that is ultimately how you can affect the change. The best advocacy, I believe, comes from being in the workplace. Um, what, what what does success look like for a global accessibility awareness day? Is it its extinction? <laughs> um, that's a that's something that's making me think. Um, it, it <sighs> might be, but I I don't I don't feel like it is. You know, maybe for it to become a lot less important. But but you've always got that that side of it where you have to do testing with you you know with people with disabilities. 
And if you don't do that, that user testing, no matter what you're building, um, it, it, it won't be as good. So there's always a space for it. I don't see that going away anytime soon, even in success. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. I could talk to you all day, honestly. I love this conversation. You must come back on again. Hey, do you know what? Let's just not have Joe for Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Let's have him all year. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thank Joe, you so thank much. You so I much really for enjoyed coming it. On. And, and can I just say, and I really mean this, you know, a lot of people come on and they have a great apps and great products and great services and great things. And, and we're always really grateful for people spending their time with us, you know, telling us about the work they've done. And we really appreciate their products. But for you, honestly, you've created something incredible here. And you should be really proud of it because this is something which will live on for a long time, no doubt. And it has real meaning and real impact. You know, some companies might just do it for the PR, but do you know what? Somewhere that that nudges a dial somewhere to get people thinking about accessibility. And that is the most important part. So thank you for that, Joe. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for inviting me on. And um, we'll talk again soon. And there you have it. And the party continues. He has a lot of work to do today, Sean. So, you know, he's got to go and do it uh, and, you know, not eat cake. I think that's the yeah. key. He he will maybe have some cake, maybe a sausage and a bap. Who knows? Uh, I but think you offended him there. He will. No, just I didn't. eating cake I didn't. all day. I'm just thinking about cake and now I want cake. <laughs> I want gad cake. Uh, I also want to mention as well something I saw him tweeting out. I meant to ask him about this, but uh, it's absolutely brilliant. They're, they're going to have accessibility awards based on Global Accessibility Awareness Day, and the name of them, the Gaddies. Oh, oh, well, oh, oh, well yeah. done! It's Excellent good, work. Excellent. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> uh, listen, I hope whatever you're doing for Global Accessibility Awareness Day as a company, as an organisation, as an individual, whether you're just tweeting about it, whether you're just talking about it, keep spreading the word. And also, you know what? If you're on Twitter, just send a message to Elon Musk and say, "Hey, fancy hiring back that accessibility team?" and have, and maybe have you heard of this thing called hashtag GAAD? You never know. Let's do Message that. Let's might make get that through. happen. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, every time Elon tweets something, reply with that and let's see what response we get. If any, which of course will be none. But you never know. <laughs> maybe it'll sink in one day. Uh, that's it for us today. We're back tomorrow. Lots more, of course, on our socials. You can find us across social media at Double Tap and at Double Tap on Air. Keep your feedback coming as well, Sean. Uh, happy at Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.